Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. But before we get into a uh, mildly optimistic NC State preview, we'll thank our friends at New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, and uh, only way to uh, to pair Louisiana Hot Sauce and make it any better is to go on over to Madison Social and ask for the Knollcast Bloody Mary. I want to remind you that there's no better place to uh, take in game day than Madso. Uh, their game day menu is uh, fantastic. Big fans of it. Louisiana Hot Sauce, Madison Social, two of the people that make the Knollcast possible. That's right. I'm looking forward to getting one of those Knollcast Bloody Marys on, on game day. Probably stop in before the NC State game. Should be a really good time. Great food, great people, and get some good drinks over there. No doubt, Madso's place to be at. All right, bud. Let's look at... Uh... Let's look at a game where the optimism has kind of quietly crept upward. Uh, NC State, a team that really was, uh, well, a lot of teams broke Florida State's will last year, but uh, maybe one of the many low points that uh, that 2018 had to offer. Uh, an NC State team that comes into Dope Campbell, it's a nice 7.30 game, and uh, I think you have to feel kind of optimistic and maybe from an overall standpoint, you kind of feel like you, you're catching NC State at a time where you could uh, – you could get a victory here. So let's jump into it. Indeed. Uh, 7.30, get a night game. It's kind of nice. If the students would claim some of their tickets, uh, it'd be even nicer. I understand some of the reasons why they don't. Um, but uh, Florida State is favored by, I think, a touchdown at, at, at last. Look, we're recording this on, on Thursday. And the over-under, 61 and a half. So that means Vegas is thinking the game like, like 33-27-ish. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe 34-27 right on the nose there um yeah let, let's let's get in first to florida state's trouble spot here uh their defense uh, we, we've heard a lot about how the defense has improved in the last couple weeks but uh we really haven't seen a whole lot of uh results right as far as some of the areas in which they needed to improve uh most notably their their really poor showing as far as defensive success rate and not a lot not allowing teams to possess the ball for long periods of time and, and matriculate it down the field. And they're, they're doing a great job of preventing explosive plays, right? They're 29th in preventing explosive plays, but 114th in success rate allowed. So not really the split you want to have when you have an offense like Florida State's offense, which wants to go fast and get a whole lot of possessions. So, uh, yeah, hoping for some better results this weekend when it comes to that, uh, to be sure. But So let's just talk real quickly about the scheme uh, NC State did lose their offensive coordinator, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, to Appalachian State. He's now the head coach over there because Satterfeld left App State and went to uh, went to Louisville, as we discussed last weekend. I think this is a downgrade for them with, with their new co-coordinators. These are guys who uh, have never really been that level of coordinator before. Uh, Drinkwitz was really known um, for for being extremely creative. A lot of personnel shifts, uh, motions, and, and did a nice job. NC State still does some of that, but I, I don't think that they have the the same like understanding of why they're doing it necessarily. But it's hard for me to separate sort of some of the differences in this offense from the loss of, of quarterback Ryan Finley, who I know we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, we, we don't have an NC State guest on tonight. I actually managed to, to watch three of their games, which is pretty cool. I did not watch their game against an FCS team. But I had already watched their game against East Carolina a little bit, um, and I got to watch uh, the West Virginia game and, and the Ball State game in full back to back. So I just watched the offense from from one game and the other, and then the defense from one game and the other. So I feel like I have a decent feel 
for what this NC State team is doing. Um, they're still going to be a spread team. For the most part, they're going to go under center, or excuse me, uh, in the gun, but they, they do operate from under center. Uh, some, they are a team that likes to use a tight end, but it's not necessarily like a thing they're going to do all the time. And uh, we'll talk more about one of their tight ends who's no longer with them uh, on the field, at least in a little bit. They'll occasionally go two backs, but overall, the the formations they're running don't look that different than what they did last year. They just they don't seem to be using quite as much motion as they have in past years. But they did manage to get Florida State extremely outgapped last year. So I would expect NC State to probably revert to some of their game plan from last year simply because why not? It worked so well. They ran all over FSU and make FSU prove that this is something different now, right? I, I Wouldn't you? I mean, I, I don't know why in the world they would they'd try to go something totally different if they can try to do uh, what they did last year. Let's see if Florida State can uh, can stop it. No, it was just too easy last year. In many ways, the NC State was, uh, again, not that there were too many high points, but it was really the beginning of the end. Uh, and really, it was the the beginning of just the precipitous fall off that you saw from the defense in general. And a lot of that had to do with some of the exploitation of uh, of gaps that you just referenced there. In offense, I, th- I think you really nailed it where it looks very similar. Uh, aesthetically and the way that they line up some of the things that they try to do it's just not nearly as crisp and obviously um, anytime you lose a quarterback the quality of Finley that's going to be felt but there's there's just some tools there that they don't have that previously they've uh, relied upon and again I'll just make a real quick I wouldn't wouldn't shock me at all to see this team do multiple kind of trick plays they like to get their uh, they like assortments of uh, throwback passes, things like that. Not saying that it's going to be the circus comes to town, but wouldn't be surprised at all to see them do a uh, wide receiver screen pass. Uh, it's something that they do relatively well. They did one against well. NC State, too. Yeah, or, they, or West, West Virginia, Virginia. Excuse me. And uh, they're going to they're gonna force the defense to have that in the back of their mind. So just a, a quick observation from what they do from a macro standpoint. Absolutely. So digging into this even more, right? Last year, their offense was was pretty darn good under Ryan Finley. This year, uh, they ranked 65th in, in Bill Connolly's SP plus offense. And there's a major split between their efficiency and their explosiveness. In fact, I believe, and I'll, I'll click over here to uh, look at Louisville stats, but I'm pretty sure that this is an even larger split uh, between all. Yeah, actually it is. This is a larger split than what Louisville had between efficiency and explosiveness. NC State is 39th in efficiency, which is fine. Like, pretty decent, actually. That's upper third in college football. They're 106th in explosiveness. Remember that talk I gave last week and in previous weeks about how you better not let this opponent just go in small chunks against you? You need to get them into passing downs. You need need to see if they can actually hit explosive plays on you, right? Yeah, copy and paste. And, and and like like increase the font size by like four hundred percent. I mean that is you, you've you've got to do it right. They have they have not hit explosive plays at all. And I mean we're we're talking about four games here. They just they don't seem to hit them. They've not been able to connect on those explosive play opportunities uh, for whatever reason. And to be honest, in watching their games, they really haven't had that many. To exploit, right? Like, I'm not watching them thinking, oh, man, this guy's one tackle for being out the gate. Or, you know, oh, man, this ball's just slightly overthrown. No, they're just, they really haven't been 
very many. And I think part of that, like you said, is this offense is just not as crisp as it was uh, last year. The, the run game actually has been pretty good for them. Their offensive line, we'll talk about in a second, but their run game is 15th in efficiency, but 75th in explosiveness. So, you know, that, that's a fairly big issue right there. But their passing game, also a pretty decent split. 81st in efficiency, so they do not throw the ball in an efficient manner. But also 120th in explosiveness. And that's a pretty big deal. They have not been able to hit big passes at all. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. I mean, this they also, unsurprisingly, because their passing game is not that good, they have a very large split in terms of their success rate on standard downs versus passing downs. Standard downs, again, first and 10, second and seven or better, third and four or better, passing downs, obviously, second and eight or worse, third and five or worse. Selling out for some tackles for loss and some run stuffs against this team is a real good idea because once they get behind the chains, they usually get off the field. I mean, you're talking about a 40, 40 to 45 spot difference uh, in standard downs versus passing downs in terms of their efficiency. So that's, and that's also in terms of their explosiveness, right? They're, they have not been able to hit big plays in second and long, third and long at all. And that's even relative to other teams and, and how they do in those situations. So, just something to watch for here. Their their tempo is is like it's kind of medium. Um, they're 52nd nationally. They also seem to throw the ball more than they should. I'm surprised at, at how often they throw. If I in watching them, I'm like, man, why wouldn't they run again there? It, it their passing game is is not good. Um, and part of that, we can switch to the quarterback here, is because they lost Ryan Finley. And Ryan Finley was really damn good. And I think he his creativity allowed them to uh uh, to help out some with the offensive coordinator and allowed him to be extremely creative, right? Because he was so mature and, and he's in the league now. And his physical gifts weren't necessarily that great, but his, you know, his creativity. Exceptional, was, yeah, yeah, creativity, ability to diagnose and then put the ball uh, in a tight area. Yeah, a, a really talented quarterback. Uh, out goes Finley, in comes Matt McKay. Uh, physically looks the part, looks, looks like he – has all the tools necessary uh somewhat of a continued theme here of a little bit of a raw athletic quarterback who struggles with accuracy but mckay's 6'4 215 sophomore prospect uh like i said very much looks like a quarterback but uh, has a lot of things to improve upon through his first couple of games yeah um like you said the accuracy has been been a pretty big deal uh he's also not attempted very many deep throws like like remember how i said it's not like they've had a whole lot of deep shots taken they just didn't complete on him uh no david hale our our friend at espn had a stat today Uh, only 7.1 percent of nc state's throws have been uh for 20 or or like 20 more yards in the air so that's a pretty big deal right there just looking at that that's actually the second fewest percentage in the power five and you know, like that's that's bad. Uh, so again, Florida clearly like there's a reason for that, right? They don't have their comfort zone is not throwing the ball deep. Knowing that, like, why in the world would you not challenge him to do that? I'm I know I'm probably sounding like a post game podcast here, and I want to sound like a preview, but I'm kind of a broken record on this. It's great that Florida State's defense is limiting explosiveness. That's not that useful against a team that has shown no ability to be explosive, and a lot of that is indeed. Quarterback Matt McKay. He has taken care of the ball. I will say, like, he's not put it in a whole lot of situations 
that have been uh, dangerous. They try a lot of short passes. They, they will throw a lot of screens. Again, I'm going to renew my call for Florida State to come up and flood the passing zones a little bit more, especially in this game. Uh, only 6.0 yards per attempt is, is pretty poor. Now, I will say this. He's hard to sack. His sack rate this year, only 2.1%. And that's a real key difference between him and Bailey Hockman. Uh, Hockman's been sacked more uh, than, than he has. Um, but he does take care of the ball. Only one interception. I don't think he's fumbled yet. Do you remember him fumbling? Don't remember him fumbling. No. Uh, so he seems to be a guy that does take care of the ball. So how are you going to get him off the field? It's probably going to come in the form of incomplete passes or stopping the run on early downs and, and then incomplete passes on those passing downs. Um, he averages about five uh, five carries a game outside of scramble. So he is a not a huge part of their offense, but he's mobile enough and big enough to where he does have you know some part of their offense. I will say, though, that their receivers, they took a hit too there. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. They lost two guys who are now in the NFL and who are both 1,000-yard receivers. Yeah, lost two really talented kids uh, who does remain probably the spotlight immediately goes to uh, Emeka Amizi, a really talented player who's uh, physically gifted and not by any means an, an unknown commodity when you talk to coaches in this league. Yeah, I, I've talked to some guys in, in this league and they're like, yeah, the Amizi kid's really good. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Uh, he also has literally twice as – or he has more targets – than any other two receiver they have combined. And in the uh, uh, in the game against West Virginia, literally they targeted him 23 times. Yeah, yeah. there's no secret where the ball's going a lot of times. NC uh, State only ran 86 plays, so that means more than one out of every four plays was an attempted throw to a mezzi. Now, look, okay, you say, yeah, he had 23 targets in that game. He has 45 overall. That means he has 22. But that's still seven targets a game in the other three. And one of those was against, what, Western Carolina, where he only had five. Um, and then he had 10 against East Carolina. And Ball State, he had seven. So you're you're looking at this kid pretty much, I would guess he's going to get close to double-digit targets at least again. A reliable second receiver for them? Not really stepped up yet. Thayer Thomas, maybe. This is a team that is throwing the ball to the running backs quite a bit, we should note. Um, in fact, if you if you pull up some of their advanced stats here, uh, targets, they've already targeted the running backs. One, two, seven, seven, and five, and two. 21 targets for the running backs in just four games. So that is a pretty big deal there for, for, the, for those running backs to have any targets. So Florida State's going to have to be very aware of that. And I, I think that's, that's going to be key in this game, especially because NC State has not really shown a, a second receiver uh, whom they like a whole lot. We should also note, Ingram, that uh, tight end Dylan Autrianth is out for the year with injury. And I've been reading some NC State stuff, and all those sources basically said, yeah, he's not a great receiver, but a very, very good uh, blocker. And so that that probably will hurt NC State in its run game somewhat. And remember, this has been one of the best run games uh, on it, like as far as FSU's opponents so far. Um, so definitely. Yeah. It'll it'll limit in in the in the blocking game, and it'll also not that they won't try to do it, but it'll it'll limit their effectiveness to kind of outgap Florida State, and a lot of that was based around uh, numbers and exploiting a an odd man advantage on the line of scrimmage that uh, 
that Alton Reith would have been pretty pretty involved in taking place uh, or taking part in. So not a, not an insignificant injury at all. So offensive line wise, I, I got to tell you, I've been impressed with this group relative to my expectations for this group, but maybe not impressed overall. And allow me to explain that. Uh, basically, on the offensive line, they lost three guys who were somewhere between like all ACC and all America types, and I think all three are in the NFL, including a first round center. So there's been some pretty big deals there. Uh, as far as losses, they also lost co- offensive line coach Dwayne Ledford, who a lot of people really believe is a great offensive line coach. He's now at Louisville with uh, with Scott Satterfield. So many new parts on this offense, man. I feel like every single little subcategory we have here is like, yeah, by the way, they lost this and this and this. Overall, I think they've done a pretty good job. Like I said, uh, McKay's only been sacked 2.1% of the time. Uh, their opportunity rate nationally, which is basically like what is the offense creating for the backs, is 45th. That's not that bad. But they're not quite as good as physically, I don't believe, as they were last year. And, and that's that's a fairly big deal. I, I would not anticipate that they're going to have a big advantage on the inside at all against Wilson and Durden and Cooper. Um, but that it, it, they're a better offensive line than what Louisville had. I think they're a better offensive line than what Virginia had I don't think they're better than what Boise State had. If, if I could kind of place them in terms of, of – and, of course, the, the juggernaut that is Luciana Monroe. Uh, but it's just – it's not the same group that really pushed FSU around last year. I know FSU had some, some gap issues last year too that, that helped to contribute to that. But um, it's, it's not that same group. So, running back-wise, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I think they have three backs who are – by ACC standards, solid backs. They're not amazing. I don't think they're going to light the world on fire, but but they're not bad. They're not bad. They're not They're not great either. Yeah, like nobody standing out among the pack is just being like that much better than anybody else. One of the stats I like to look at is the success rate of, of each runner, you know. And so far, Knight and Houston have been a little bit higher in person, but uh, person may be able to hit some more explosive runs. But at the same time, he's bigger, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Knight's probably their best back at this point. Um, he actually went down in that game against uh, against Ball State, but I believe he's expected to play in this one. So strategy time. We already went over this a little bit. I, I always save a section for strategy, but it's very hard for me to not uh, uh, to not at least discuss it when I'm doing the preview. Of the positions, no surprise here. Need to dare NC State to uh, to hit big plays. Let's see if they can do it. And if they do, okay. Guess what? Just uh, tip your cap, and now the offense will get the ball back. Uh, I think you need to force McKay to go to another receiver than a Meze, right? At least some of the time. You, you, what you don't want to see is like an eleven target, eight catch day for one hundred and ten for a Meze. Go, make him go to somebody else. Now, if he wants to force the ball to Mezzi, okay, that's fine. But you want to see something where the catch rate is like under 70%. You, know, you want to see his yards per target not sky high, right? Let, let's, let's keep that yards per target like under five. That'd be fine. So, yeah, that's, those are kind of my, my strategy goals for this one. I, I think you can afford to play some man-to-man here, uh, e- even though – we know that McKay is is pretty mobile. It's not one of those things where, well, I I think you can afford to do it. Now I'm sure they'll play some zone too, but 
like they always will. That's kind of a, a throwaway comment. But I think you have the ability to play both man and zone against them. I don't know how much you need to blitz, but but West Virginia did have some success with the blitz against these guys. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate a couple blitzes here too uh, against him. You want to go to you want to go to goals? You got more strategy stuff. What what, what are you feeling? Uh, no strategy. I'll circle back to the trick plays. Uh, make them earn it. Uh, otherwise, love to see a pretty aggressive form of defense. Realize I slightly contradicted myself there, but uh, why don't we why don't we slide on to our uh, popular edition of goals? I'm I'm glad that we added this year. It gives us a great little way to look back and and have a, a different look back as to what Florida State was trying to accomplish and whether or not they actually accomplished it. Uh, for this one, we've got two. Uh, the first one is uh, yards per play being held under five. Now, look, I've been telling about all, all our listeners are telling me this defense has really improved. I'm going to give you some numbers here. All right. NC State only put up 5.19 yards per play at home against Ball State. They only put up 4.29 yards of play on the road at West Virginia. If this defense is really improved, I want to see a yards per play of under five. All right? That'll give me com- – we got some blowback for thinking that five and seven might be more likely than, than seven and five, or at least I thought it was slightly. You know what? If they hold NC State under five yards of play, I think I'm going to start believing a little bit more that they can, they can win more of these sort of toss of ACC games than they can lose. If you hold NC State under five yards of play, I think you're going to have a tremendous shot to come out and win this football game. And it's not a slam dunk by any means. I mean, the spread is is seven. And I got to tell you, my power numbers don't even say this is a Florida State bet. Now, looking at the individual matchup, it does make me think that, which is why I took Florida State team total over 33. But the reason why I didn't bet Florida State for the game is because I don't fully trust this defense yet. And they have done such a poor job with, with, with standard down success rate stuff. I, I I don't like it. You got it. You got to do better on, on first and second down. So you can force more of these third downs in my opinion. So, all right. Uh, the other goal gone with here. A, uh, yeah. Gone with a pretty similar goal from last week. Whereas last week's goal was uh, 50% of plays to be five plays or less this week. We've, uh, Ticked it up one on the plays, down 5% on the percentages, meaning that uh, drives of six or more plays ideally would consist of less than 45% of their possessions. That's right. So basically, if they get 14 drives, I don't want to see more than six of those be six or more plays, right? I think that's I think that's pretty fair. You know, I, I like, can, can you get the ball back to your offense? In under six plays, more often than not, that seems like a pretty reasonable goal. And I would sell out to do it. Ingram, we think Florida State should dial up some pressure this weekend. And, you know, if you need a home loan, you should dial 844-FSU loans to reach resolution home loans. That's Shannon Young. He's the best mortgage guy in the business, I should know. I got my mortgage through him. So have almost 40 NOLCAST listeners. It's on, it's on my to-do list tomorrow to email, or not to email out, excuse me, to mail out some more shirts. And a nice little note, which, by the way, kudos to you on your handwriting there on the, uh, the note you sent to the fine gentleman who got the tickets that we gave away uh, to our, our Patreon listeners. And, uh, yeah, 844-FSU loan, Shannon Young, great customer service experience and awesome rates. He'll take care of you. All right, what happens when you have a child support or alimony obligation, but something significant changes in your life? 
Maybe your income has changed due to no fault of your own, or the other parent received a significant raise or inheritance. Perhaps your child is no longer in daycare, or one of them has finished high school and is no longer eligible for child support. It is important that you act in a timely manner because the modification of support is typically only able to be made retroactive to the date you file an action with the court. You know who knows all this? Travis Johnson knows all this. Travis Johnson, attorney at law, one of only 280 board-certified family law attorneys in the state. That's less than 0.02% of all attorneys in the state of Florida. You can reach Travis at 850-435-9919. Office of Pensacola, but he'll come to you throughout the state, cases throughout. All right, bud, uh, open the podcast on a kind of hinting that we were slightly optimistic. And uh, maybe if so, this is this is part of it. I think it's a, a decent little opportunity to uh, continue with some of the progress made from Florida State's offense. Uh, again, uh, an NC State defense that loses some of the pieces that made it. Uh, the unit that it has in the year, a uh, couple years past, but uh, expect to see a scheme, a lot more three man fronts from them uh, so far, at least what they've done their first three games. Uh, decent amount of zone, not as much man to man, and uh, another team that we kind of fully expect to maintain the, uh, the pattern that is keeping the safeties over the top, not letting this offense uh, beat you vertically and uh, try to try to make you earn whatever comes in front of them. Yeah, this is a uh, – in some ways the defense looks similar to last year in terms of their style. But, yeah, they, they are running a lot more three-man fronts, which is interesting. They've also uh, – they've had some struggles, like legitimate struggles here uh, in, in their last two weeks against Ball State and West Virginia. Uh, Ball State's offense is rated 84th, and West Virginia's is rated 92nd, I believe, in S- SP+. So – not exactly juggernauts, and for reference, Florida State's is rated uh, 19th. So you're talking about a major step up in class for this NC State defense. They have not faced an offense really anywhere close uh, to, to that of Florida State. And I understand that West Virginia's offense, their rating might be somewhat artificially depressed simply because their, their first two games were real bad before they started clicking under a new coaching staff. But still, uh, yeah, this defense is, I, I don't think it's as good uh, as it was last year. Now, it's not terrible. Uh, but there's some specific things here, and, and I'll get to it after we talk to personnel, uh, that, that I like in, in this matchup for Florida State. Um, and it, a lot of it just, just comes from, from having watched this defense uh, play in their, in their last two games. Like you said, there, there's a lot of zone from them. They don't play a whole lot of man from what I, what I can see. Uh, a lot of safety help over the top. Uh, they're also a defense that is very much uh, about – like limiting explosiveness and success, which is something you want to do. But they're a little bit better at explosiveness than they are at limiting success, which I think is something that Florida State, with quarterback Alex Hornerbrooks, who, who I would expect to play, uh, Willie Taggart said if James Blackman is healthy, he will start. And that's fair because he played an excellent game last week despite his numbers. Uh, I mean, 11-14, not bad, but I think he played even better than that. But Hornerbrook, we know, is, is very good at getting rid of the football uh, quickly and uh, accurately, especially on some of those underneath routes. And so, look, obviously, if NC State is going to give some of that up, then FSU should uh, should take some of that. I'll also note that they have uh, – they're very much focused on the run in early downs, and that, that's something that will come up a lot in our discussion of their defense. Uh, they are 104th in the nation in sack rate. And so that's something I think Florida State can exploit. Hornerbrook should have time. Again, we have concerns about Hornerbrook uh, – when he has pressure his numbers against pressure at Wisconsin were not very good. He didn't face it a whole lot. 
Uh, however, you know, and you should note that, like, that is probably good here for him. He's not a guy who I want to have to make throws against pressure a whole lot, but if he's able to work in a clean pocket, that, that could really help. NC State has also not been that big of a blitz team this year from what I've seen. So that, that could also I, – I want to see how Florida State handles that uh, in, in this game if, if they do get a lot of, of rush four, drop seven type stuff. The defensive line-wise, they're very similar to what they usually are. Tremendous size. I think NC State has a great strength program. They they do a such a good job developing uh, their, their players in, in, in the weight room. And if I was going to take something from NC State's program, I wouldn't take Dave Doran, the head coach, but I would – I'd love to, like if I was starting a college, I'd like to take their strength program. They've done a really good job developing kids and, and making them get bigger and stronger in the weight room. They're not that quick, though. I will say, like, they have good strength up front, and they're getting a, a really good player in defensive end Williams, who's coming back, and he hadn't played in a little bit. Uh, but he'll be back for them. Lorel Merch sends an excellent defensive tackle. He gave Florida State fits last year, but, I mean, everybody did. Uh, he's a guy who I think can disrupt FSU's run game somewhat in the middle. Uh, but overall, this line, like I said earlier, 104th in sack rate. Uh, they're not getting to the quarterback very much, and they're they're a lot more about just kind of holding uh, holding the point, and that's that's fine. But I do think there's some strategy things that can work into this linebacker. Like I said, their coaching staff. Seems to really like these linebackers. I've listened to their interviews, and they they, they seem very high on them. But uh, I'm I disagree. I am not that high on these linebackers. <laughs> uh, they they got really picked apart by Ball State and by West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia used a lot of jet sweep motion to kind of screw with it with, with them, and they were oftentimes in the wrong gap, but also uh, flowing the wrong way. They, they were hit with some misdirection passing quite a bit and in coverage they, they've not been very good uh, they have a freshman who they think might be their best linebacker in Peyton Wilson uh, I don't know if that's like something they think currently like their comments from the coaches kind of make me think they think he's their best now but I'm kind of wondering if they should follow that up with like will be the best in the future you know I don't know that he's like that good right now he's pretty good against the run but man these backers they fast flow downhill against the run, and uh, West Virginia in particular just ate them up with, with the RPO game. And I think Florida State's RPO stuff is at least as good as West Virginia's, if not a lot better. They also have the, the weapons on the outside that West Virginia really didn't have uh, nearly as much to uh, to combat that. I think uh, Helton, T.J. Matthews, as big of a – statistical uh opportunity that they have all year maybe uh no doubt and trey yeah yeah it's uh i'm not it by no means a carbon copy but uh west virginia has a freshman name what is it sam james uh, looks pretty similar yes. to dj maybe a little bit faster straight line speed that kid absolutely uh tore tore nc state up and created all of kind of the mismatches and, and some of the misfits that that bud is referencing with their linebackers. So uh, everybody's got a decent chance, but the slot receivers in particular have chances to have a pretty, pretty meaningful statistical impacts on this game. Uh, 15 targets, nine catches, 155 yards. So literally over 10 yards a target, which is ridiculous. Also uh, the, uh, the top four targets for, uh, for West Virginia in that game, who I believe were all, uh, 
yeah, they were all receivers. So I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't counting um, like running back or something here. Success rates here for these four guys, these four receivers, 60%, 60%, 50%, 50%. So everybody was at least a 50% success rate. So throwing the ball against NC State was extremely uh, advantageous for West Virginia. Um, and I would expect Florida State should come out throwing uh, in this game. I know some people have emailed us saying that they should try to run the ball a lot. But I – look, if NC State is already going to take away the run and they want to focus on taking away the run – and they're going to give up those first down passes, take them. There's no better down to throw than first down. We know that for a fact. First down is an awesome down to throw on. Also, I should note this, their best corner is out for this game. And that's a pretty big deal. Like, read some of this NC State stuff. The, the, the McLeod kid is apparently pretty good at corner, and he's one of their only uh, returning guys who has an experience at the corner position. So in looking at that, I'm like, okay. Yeah, they're probably gonna gonna give it Florida State a lot of off coverage in this game. I, their safeties are pretty experienced. Sometimes they'll play three safeties at once. It looks like, uh, or or a smaller backer. But yeah, I think Florida State should be able to throw in this football game. You want to get to uh, the strategy? Yeah, let's move to strategy. Look, even when West Virginia gave NC State a. Uh, I don't want to say a henna pace because they move at a pretty quick ratio, but it, there was many times where NC State just couldn't handle the pace of play at all. And I, I think you do have a chance uh, to get a defense on the ropes and to have as much, uh, let me see how I can say this, to have maybe the prolonged success that many people associated with this program are, are looking for uh, some level of consistency from the offense. And, and maybe you would have had that last weekend had, had you better special teams uh, play. But uh, I think you have a chance to go out and dictate pace of play and be as dominant as you have all year. And uh, catching them situationally off guard is, is very much where I think a lot of that optimism stems from. So when you look at this stuff, right, um, how, do you, how do you play with pace? You, you play with pace either by running the football effectively, which we don't know if Florida State's going to be able to do because NC State's got a pretty good run defense, uh, or you complete passes. Incomplete passes we know slow down the offense. Completing passes – Helps the offense stay at, at, at a high tempo. NC State, actually, despite playing two really bad teams and two decent ones, you know, is uh, is a team here. They're allowing a 61% completion clip on defense. That's 67th in the nation. I'm pretty sure that against West Virginia, that was a lot higher. Yeah, Austin Kendall, 68%. And the Ball State kid, 61%. If Hornerberg can go for like 65% in this game, assuming it's him and, and that James doesn't make some pretty miraculous recovery, uh, I'm I'm thinking Florida State can play with a lot of tempo. And that's important because West Virginia and Ball State, I think multiple times each had to force NC State to either take a timeout uh, or get caught off sides with, or with, with too many men on the field. So that's, that's pretty important here to note. Uh, Tempo, tempo, tempo is going to be really big for Florida State in this game. I also think, like I said earlier, throwing on on early downs. This is not something that Florida State is just discovering. By the way, <laughs> uh, teams have thrown on standard downs against NC State 59.1% of the time. That is the fourth most frequently against any, de any defense in the nation. So checking that out, uh, yeah, West Virginia knew it. Ball State knew it. They both did it. NC State 
seemed cool to allow these short completions and off they went to the races with a lot of tempo trying to move fast trying to catch nc state at like off off balance and i think it's pretty clear well to me at least i shouldn't say i think it's pretty clear to me it's clear they don't really trust their secondary and if they didn't trust their secondary against ball state in west virginia i don't really think they're going to trust their secondary that much um, against florida state which means you probably get a lot off coverage so some short passes, the RPO game, which both Ball State and Western used to, to pick on on the linebackers uh, of NC State. That should be there. I kind of doubt they get that fixed in one game. If, if they do decide to play a lot of man-to-man to combat the RPO, I think you're going to have some ability to, to beat some guys one-on-one. Um, they also they kind of struggle with screens, by the way. Like Western, you hit a lot of screens on them very successfully, and I, part of that's because of how much zone they're playing. But I think you need to throw some screens early and often if you get some looks so uh, so that you, you can see if you can kind of get them out of some of that stuff. One question I have here, how well does Gant do playing on, on the outside in, uh, in Jaden Woodby's spot? We saw him playing some there in practice this week. I think that's an interesting move. He's a pretty physical guy, but he's also a really smart player for a freshman. So interested to see how that works out. Um, but overall, I, I do feel pretty good about this matchup. If I had some reservations, it's from a, a defensive line physicality standpoint, this defensive line is much more like what you're going to see from UVA and Boise. And at times, those defensive lines really beat Florida State up up front. So I, I have some concerns about that, uh, especially with, with, with the run game. It does make me wonder how well Florida State will be able to score in the red zone. If NC State plays a lot of off coverage and they allow Florida State to to drive the ball down the field, but then get in get in the red zone, we'll see. The NC State's been a pretty decent red zone defense this year. Uh, they're only allowing three point eight nine uh, points per scoring opportunity, which is which is very good uh, on a national level. But they've also played two really really bad offenses and a West Virginia one that that's uh, I don't think that is that good. So. Yeah, uh, I, I feel pretty good about this, man. Like, like I don't know, sometimes things happen. But overall, I, I like Florida State's ability to go tempo. That is, that's something NC State has really not responded very well to. And I, I like NC State. Uh, I, I like their, their inability to cover the pass, especially with some of their underneath defenders. All right, man. So you, want to, uh, you want to move to predictions here? Yeah, I'm down. Let's, let's, uh, let, let's do that. All right. Uh, I think is it. Uh, I think it's your turn to lead us off here, bud. I'll let you uh, let you kick it off. All right. So, uh, by the way, goals for the offense. I'm going to go six point seven five yards uh, per play. I I think West Virginia caught them off guards a little bit, and uh, Tony Gibson, who is the uh, the new defensive coordinator for NC State, actually came from West Virginia. So, given that uh, West Virginia may have known some of his tendencies, although that is a new staff at West Virginia, so it's not like Everybody there was was left over. I think 6.75 is, is a good goal. I, my guess here is that NC State comes out firing more. I, I expect NC State to take more chances. I, I don't think they're going to sit back quite as much as they did against West Virginia and, and Ball State. So Florida State's got to be ready for the blitz. But 6.75, I was going to go like over 7 at home, but 6.75 seems pretty fair um, to me as a good number. And uh, just as a quick little... You know, just a lesson for everybody. If Florida State hits the 6.75 and they keep NC State under 5, well, over the course of 75 plays, they should outgain them by about 130. And that's that's a pretty solid margin. 
right there. Uh, hopefully they don't they don't kick field goals like they did last week, but you really can't expect. I guess you, based off his start, Aguayo was fine, uh, but based on his career stats, not very good uh, actually as a kicker. He's especially the last the last two years just just rough. I'm gonna go uh, 38-30 here for for Florida State. Um, I did bet the over 34. For FSU, I, I think there's some value in that, especially if this game gets up to uh, to a higher number of possessions. In their two team, in their two games against spread teams, uh, both or not spread teams, but but tempo teams or kind of tempo. West Virginia is not that that high tempo, but I did decide to do it against NC State and Ball State is a tempo team. Both those teams were able to achieve uh, 14 drives. I think Florida State has a chance to get to like 15 drives here, and uh, and that's I mean. You know, if you could end up getting like three points a drive, you you could easily get up to like like forty five points here if you get to fifteen. So that'd be pretty sweet. So I'm going to go thirty eight thirty, and I I may be low on the thirty eight. I just my only real concern here is the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I have fears about being low on mine, but I'm I'm lower than you even. I'm going to go. Uh... I'm going to go 35-21 here. I think uh, Florida State has a nice two-touchdown victory and has uh, some modicum of momentum heading into the bye week, and maybe you see a consistent effort from both sides of the ball at a level that you have another You're a believer in his defense. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm starting to get there, yes. I also think you're getting this team at a good time. Uh, I think if you do get a little bit of an advantage that, uh, hey, look, I don't think anybody's going to say, oh, darn, Florida State's up by two touchdowns. Let's pack it in uh, with the way that the first four games have played out. But uh, I think you catch NC State at a good time here, and I, I think you have a chance to, to get a nice little victory and find some some solid footing as a program, whereas maybe two weeks ago it didn't look like there was uh, such a thing that existed. So, Anger, let me ask you a question here about your prediction just as far as how you see the game going. If you only have them scoring twenty one, and you have you have the good guys scoring thirty five, I believe you said. Uh, th- I think thirty four, but yeah, something right there. Thirty four. Yeah. Okay, so ten point victory or thirteen point victory there. Do you have them holding the ball for longer than I do? I assume like like NC State and then FSU just not allowing explosives and, and winning in the red zone, but allowing too many of the long drives still. Yeah, I think NC State, in my mind, has the ball a, a little bit more with the uh, very real idea. I think the Florida State's offense at this point is uh, is a known commodity by everybody involved in the in the pace and the danger that uh, exists with it when it when it clicks right. And I think NC State's uh, maybe tampers down the passing a little bit and uh, finds finds a way to eat a little bit of clock intentionally when they have the ball. Yeah, they re- there's no reason for NC State to pass as much as they've been passing. That is a little bit weird uh, to me. But, yeah, I, I think they'll be more aggressive aggressive with the blitzing against Florida State and probably a little more running. So I, I agree with you there on that. Um, maybe I'm just stupid for hoping that they will stop allowing such long, time-consuming drives when you have an offense that would really benefit <laughs> from more possessions. I don't know. That seems crazy. Uh we got two Patreon questions this week, uh, and I think we're actually going to save them for either a Twitch or for um, a uh, for, for well, we have a the bye week, week episode. Up. Yeah, we, yeah, we need to exactly. do some bi- some bye week content. So uh, appreciate all the questions. Uh, if you have an interest in joining us, it's patreon.com backslash nullcast. Uh, whether you're a Patreon or just a diehard listener from uh, from the get go, certainly appreciate the uh, support that we receive. 
from our listenership and uh, look forward to Bud giving an instant reaction on Saturday night. And hopefully, uh, hopefully this program might have stumbled into something that's known as a winning streak. So who knows? Yeah, Let's they see. have not beaten back-to-back ACC opponents since 16, 2016, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, 2016. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Yes. I mean, that that's... I uh, also want to thank our listeners. We're on pace to have the best September that we have ever had, uh, which is awesome. And uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we definitely appreciate that. It helps us to stay as the number one Florida State podcast uh, by a pretty good bit. So thanks, y'all. We'll, I'll join you again uh, following Saturday.